week. So starting up, uh, starting up today, I believe is the first day that they start. This week, they all kind of, kind of start up, which is going to be great. And it's a great way to just be involved and be a part of something uh, that uh, you, you'll find some community. You'll find some uh, some friends in these groups. The Man Ups groups a, a great one to to come to as well. And yes, uh, th- there is uh, a class. I, I, this is one that I'm going to be teaching, the master class. It is on Tuesday at 6 a.m. People are asking me, is that a joke? No, it's not. They say that's really early. But this is a group for very serious Christians, okay? Those of you that are just on the fence, this is not for you. Um, I mean, if you can sacrifice, I mean, you know Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but I'm sure you'll understand you don't want to get up at 6 a.m. On a, on a Tuesday. No, but uh, we're, we're going to do a deep dive into theology and talk about some real things which will be, uh, which will be positive and powerful. It's going to push your faith a little bit, um, but we're going to have a lot of fun as well. And yes, we will make coffee for this group if you're, if you're coming to that as well. I also want to know, uh, some of you, how many of you have taken, I don't know if there are many in this group, how many of you have taken our marriage class over the years of, of being here? How many of you have done that? Okay, some of you have. So what we do is we offer uh, child care. It's on Sunday nights. It starts the 19th, so it starts a week from today, and it's a four-week thing. And we like to use the marriage group alumni, people who have come and who have benefited from uh, you know, doing that. Maybe just a volunteer one evening. It's an hour and a half, 530 to 7. Uh, it starts on September uh, 19th. There's a sign-up sheet. There's a bunch of sign-up sheets in the welcome booth today. Um, but if you would just take a slot, maybe a couple of couples on those times, uh, somebody did that for you when you were going through it, be a blessing to somebody else and just take care of that uh, maybe for them. Also on the little thing by the coffee bar, you might have seen we had a few of these out there. We're not offering financial peace again, but we have some free kits um, that were just kind of in our storeroom. And instead of throwing them out, we just said, hey, whoever wants one of those, uh, whoever would like uh, likes one of those. It doesn't have the DVDs or anything, but I'm sure you can find those resources. But if you've been thinking about doing it or want to look through it and actually going to use that, please just grab one of those. I don't even know how many are left. I think there was only about 10. Yeah, there were nine total, so there might only be two or three left. But uh, if you'd like to grab one, go ahead. If there's none out there, come and grab this one off my desk, and we'll just take that announcement uh, off for our second service. But today I kind of wanted to start. uh, I thought, um, you know, today is a day. This week has been a a week of remembrance, Um, 20 years since uh, a very significant event, an event that we all are aware of, an event that we all know. Um, and I thought about that this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, not uh, in, in detail of the event itself. Um, but the reality is, is that there are significant moments in our history or in the course of our lives where things happen. And it's good for us to take a moment to uh, reflect on those things. You know, it's amazing, but I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of division right now. A lot of people are on opposite ends of the spectrum for whatever reason. And it's a time of great anger and a time of great uh, frustration with people and with each other. I thought, you know, wouldn't it just be nice today is, is if we just kind of started by uh, paying honor and giving respect to those who had lost their lives. And so I'm going to ask if you would, if you're able and are willing to stand for a minute, we're going to have a minute of silence, a minute of prayer, just a minute where you can maybe say a prayer for your own heart, for our country, for this place. Uh, and may we just uh, take a moment to remember uh, lives that have been lost. So let's do that for a minute together.
are a sovereign God. Father, as we maybe are flooded with memories or images of tragic days, Father, may we also take a moment to celebrate how you are still on the throne, that your kingdom still reigns. God, we pray for the unity of our country. We pray for our own hearts, that we may always guard ourselves against the traps of the enemy, that we would do our best to walk arm in arm with our brothers and sisters. Father, for lives that were sacrificed, for lives that were given at your cross, for lives that that were lost, Father, we celebrate that this world is not the end. We pray that we would always be mindful of our past, of our history, and may we always do our best to live in light of it. We ask this all through Jesus, for his great name be the glory. You know, if you ask any single person, uh, we all have memories, personal memories, not just of events like September 11th, but just memories in our lives. In fact, our our lives are really a collection of memories that are tied together. And if we think back, if you have these moments of reflection, memories remind us of victories and losses. We spend time remembering those things that went really well, and we also remember times where things didn't go so well, and what we learned and how we, how we lived through those moments. Uh, there's so many quotes again. I don't know why I've kind of I kind of enjoy looking at what other people have said, and so many of us know uh, what other people have said over the years, but here are a few quotes, about five, I think, that I shared. The first one that I think we we know quite well, those who cannot remember history are doomed or condemned to repeat it. I think we understand what that means, right? If you don't have one, you know, eyes for the past, you're going to step into those holes in the future as well. Uh, This one is interesting as well, a great philosopher, Kierkegaard, who wrote this one that said, Life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forwards. Don't you love that? That God only gave us one direction, and that is forwards, even though the past has influence on that as, as well. What about this next one? It says, let us remember, this I think was Pope John Paul II, uh, let us remember the past with gratitude. Let us live the present with enthusiasm and look forward to the future with confidence. Each, each one having its own place as we live our lives. Uh, This one, I think, is so true for all of us. Memories play a very confusing role. They make us laugh when we remember the times we cried, but they make us cry when we remember the times we laughed, right? Especially if you've lost loved ones along the way. This is such a true statement. Mother Teresa said it well. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We only have today, so let us begin. Uh, Just a great way to talk about how memories find their place in our lives. As I was looking this week, the word remember, uh, or not even the word memory, but just the word remember, occurs over 250 times in the Bible that we have today, which averages to about four times per book. And that may not seem significant, but it truly is. Brad talked last week about uh, when Jesus is at the end of his story, at the Last Supper, he uses this language of remember. When you share in this, remember what is about to happen. It hasn't even happened yet, but remember it. Let it find a place in your life. And I think what we learn is this, is that memories shape our perceptions. The way that we interact with the world 
are shaped by the things that we have experienced in our past. You've heard people use this statement in saying, well, the good old days. And what I'd like to remind people is they weren't that good and they're not that old, right? We, we sometimes romanticize the past. We do this with memories. We, we, sort of, we sort of scrub away any of the negativity and we see things the way that they really weren't. And that's kind of how memories are. It's amazing that if you talk about memories or you talk about events or a vacation, you don't remember that the car ran out of gas and that you got mugged and that, you know, uh, it was just an awful, th the room had cockroaches. What you remember is we had a great time at Disney World, right? We had a great time there. We just enjoyed it. And that we, we kind of scrub away, okay, cockroaches you may not scrub away too easily, but, but, but some of the other things, I mean, the reality is, is that we try to remember the good in things that have happened. There's a fatal mistake with memories as well, though. Memories are a guide, not a destination. Let me say that again. Memories are a guide, not a destination. What that means is, have you ever lived in a world where people are trying to recreate the past? It never goes well, right? Because we're trying to do something. We're trying to force something that happened organically. We're trying to recreate something and treat that. If we could just achieve what we once had, somehow that would be better. And yet, what they're meant to do, what memories are meant to do, is remind us of the good, maybe occasionally consider the bad, and create a new future, a future that ultimately will be better than the one that we remember. That's why I say memories help us to see the balance between winning and losing. They help us to see good moments, they also are meant to remind us of difficult or tough moments where we wish we took a different turn. I don't know if you've noticed this, and maybe it's something that we see more in our millennial generations, that you were, you know, born, what, after 1990 or whatever the, the line is these days. If you're kind of 30 or less, it's part of that millennial generation, so to speak. One of the things that we have not done for, for our younger generation is taught them that you don't always win. We've told them, life does this. Every year is better than the last year. The stock market always goes up. Everything appreciates in value. You're, you're awesome. You're amazing. And if something bad happens in your life, you need to find out who you can blame for that thing happening. It, it can't be you. It's got to be someone else. And it's a, it's a culture that is, that is really coming through very strongly right now. There are people that are polarized because they believe it's all about them or that they always have to win. And our younger generation live in a world that they've never lost anything. And so they go and they get that first bad review at the job and they think, I've got to get a new job because it can't be true that, that, that I'm not doing well or that I'm struggling with something. But our culture has told us we always win. And that's why it's so hard for us to accept moments of defeat or memories of defeat. But I want to show you a story today. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 4. It's a story about Israel. Now, one of the things that we know about Israel from early on is that they have an enemy. And the enemy's name is the Philistines. We know that this is the enemy of Israel. These are the people who have oppressed Israel the most. These are the people who have taken them captive, who have stolen from them, who have, have hurt them the most. 
And so now that God has called them and said, you are going to be my people, they know that they have to defeat the enemy. And so Samuel is is kind of a, a, a priest, a prophet in training under Eli. But this is what 1 Samuel chapter 4 talks about. It says, and Samuel's word <coughs> came to all Israel. Now the Philistines went up to fight against, uh, the Israelites went up to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their for- forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. That's a lot. That's a lot for them. When the soldiers returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh, that he may go with us and save us from the hands of our enemies. So they come back to camp, and they are kind of flabbergasted that God has not given them victory. They went out that day thinking, we are going to win. And they're defeated. 4,000 of them die. So they come up with this idea. Notice it's not Samuel or God that gives them the idea. They say, we need to go and get the Ark of the Covenant And we need to put that in front of us so it can march in front of us. And then our armies will be, you know, uh, nobody can defeat our armies. We will definitely win. Which also happens to be the premise of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, A great movie. If you haven't watched it, this afternoon is a great time to go and watch that. Uh, You know you love that movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. But this is actually the premise of the movie, right? They're trying to catch the Ark. It happens in, in the 1940s. In, in Germany, that they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to find the Ark. And the reason why they want the Ark is because they believe that if the Ark of the Covenant walks before the army, the army will be undefeated. That's actually the whole premise of this movie. And Indiana Jones, who is now the Savior, he's trying to keep that from happening because there's fear that this is actually going to take place. So it's a great movie, so go watch that movie today. But now we're back to 1 Samuel chapter 4, okay? Verse 4. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim, or the angels. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Right? You can see the story turning, can't you? You can see it happening. Verse 5, when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting coming from the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A god has come into the camp, they said. Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hands of these mighty gods? These are the, sorry, these are the gods who struck the Egyptians. So they remember the story, right? With all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. And the slaughter was so great, Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, You didn't see that coming. 
because as the story was leading up, you thought they were going to win. I did too. And yet there's defeat. If you read 1 Samuel 5, if you read the rest of chapter 4 and 1 Samuel 5, talks about the Ark of the Covenant. It says when they come back to, to Israel, when they come back and they talk to Eli, what happens is he hears that his sons have died and he's sad, but when he hears that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord has been captured, it says he falls back on his chair, breaks his neck, and dies. It's not a great story. The presence of God, the, the image that represents the presence of God is taken away from Israel. Why did this happen? Everything about the story looked like they were going to win, and yet they don't. Now, if you read the following chapters, the Philistines take the ark to, to their own temple, and there's this kind of amusing story about their God, their idol kind of, kind of falling over several times overnight in this temple. And then anybody, anybody who has the ark in their town, they start to develop tumors and sores and warts. So they move it to another town, and then it happens there. And everywhere the presence of God goes <laughs> creates plague, creates illness, creates sickness. And it's amazing because as the story unfolds, the Philistines say, we've got to get rid of this thing. And so they send it on a cart back to Israel. It's a very interesting story about memory, about winning and losing. Have you ever found that we often learn more with loss than we do with winning? You ever notice that? Times that we win, those are short-lived. But when we walk through something difficult, we often learn more in those moments than we do in the other moments. And when you read the pages of Scripture, you see that this is Israel's story. If you look at the book, book of Judges, about 15 times a phrase similar to this comes up. Once again, the Israelites did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they go into captivity. And then they cry out, and they say, God, please help us. And God helps them and brings them back into relationship with him. And then they do well for a little while, and then they fall again. The next generation is raised up, and what happens is they forget about God. They don't live into the memory of God. They make mistakes. And then it's just this cycle. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Judges, you really think these have got to be the worst people in the world. They're just people. They're people like you. They're people like me. You see, something that God wants people to do is he wants memories to allow them to trust him. Our memories should allow us to trust in God. God will make things right in his own time. But the problem in 1 Samuel 4 is God never tells them to fight the Philistines. God never tells them to put his presence in front of the army. God never tells them to do any of those things. They decide that all on their own. And I don't think it came from a bad place. They're not following God. And so after everything has collapsed, this is a moment where they have to now follow God yet again and trust in him. It's really the same when we remember the cross. This happens on a hill on a Friday afternoon, and everybody is looking and saying, this is not how we thought the story would end. We didn't think the one that would lead us to freedom would be hanging on a tree. And that's because we don't really see what God is doing. 
until later. Sometimes bad events or bad-looking events help us to trust in God all the more. Memories also remind us that loss doesn't last, that God will make things right in his own time. Memories remind us that we should come back to God when we are far away, that there is a call in the midst of that, that we need to come back to God, that we need to reestablish our relationship with him. You see, if memories are just memories, they really have no value. But memories, we honor our memories through the actions that we take. We honor our memories by the way that we live our lives. Uh, There there was a movie that came out a long time ago, and I'm going to show you a little video clip here in just a second. Um, I'm sorry, the resolution is really bad, but the the audio is fine, and you'll get the point of what's happening. It's a movie that's called uh, Ladder Ladder 49, and it's about firemen who uh, basically the way that they live their lives and the way that they do it, and this is at the funeral of one of their their fallen, uh, fallen people, but there's a great little dialogue here about memory and about how we remember it. So I want us to listen to that together. Never an easy thing saying goodbye to a brother firefighter. And this time, particularly difficult for me because I watched Jack go into a, well, he's one of the finest firefighters I've ever known. He joined this department because he wanted to help people. Who knows how many homes are still standing because Jack was there or how many lives were spared. He gave his life for that cause. We'll never forget you, Jack. And we are better for having known you. But I make you this one promise. Tomorrow, when that bell rings, we will be back on the truck because you were the bravest of the brave. People are always asking me, how is it that firefighters run into a burning building when everyone else is running out? Well, Jack, you answered that question by saving another man's life. Your courage is the answer. Each day we will be as brave as you by not mourning you, but by celebrating your life. So I'd like everyone to stand up and celebrate the life of Jack Morrison. We honor memory through action. I love what he says there. Tomorrow we'll be back on the truck. Tomorrow we'll live our lives. Yes, today we will be sad. Today we will take a moment to remember. But it's not going to halt us. It's going to remind us to kind of cover ourselves with the memory of the past and allow us to live our lives well. You see, we honor memory through life. We don't honor memory by celebrating death. Death will come to everybody in this room. And I don't think that any one of us would say, we want our loved ones to stay at home and be 
sad and their lives just be destroyed and defeated because ours is over. We want people to say, we get up tomorrow and we honor the, the life of the past by living ours well. And as Christians, we have this mantra as well. We have to remember what we are redeemed from. Our lives were going down a road that led to death, that led to nothing. And Jesus, because of a loss that he was willing to bear on our behalf, he had a moment of death to give us life. And our moment of life should be lived well in honor of him. Whoever you've lost in your life, everybody's lost someone. We honor their lives by living ours well. That's how you honor memories of the past. Yes, you take a moment to remember and be sad and maybe stand in silence for a minute. But tomorrow we'll get up. And when that alarm goes off, we will live our lives, not just for those who have been lost, but because we are the redeemed. And how will people ever understand winning in Christ if the way that we live looks only like loss? We need to find redemption. We need to live that out so that others might see. We need to have courage to live our lives well in honor of the past. So Father, today, we just pray that as we, as we hear words about what it means to be redeemed, that we would accept, <laughs> we would accept a loss that you endured so that we could win and find victory. And God, I just pray right now in this moment that maybe this week before all the junk enters our minds or comes out of our lips that we would start with a proclamation that you are king of kings and lord of lords that you are the first and priority of our lives and that everything that we do this week that it may reflect that we are redeemed people people who are saved by your blood people who have been given the gift of life. May we live out our faith well. May we love people well. May we have compassion in abundance. We thank you for calling us and welcoming us into your story. Father, thank you that we are redeemed. We pray this all through Jesus.